everyone to another Friday night. Um, it's really good to be with you all and to have fellowship with you all. Um, I am joined today by David from Football Oasis. No, I'm joined today by, by Dave. Um, and um, we, we just want to have a chat um, about this topic of selfishness. We were just talking together during the week and thinking about um, kind of and prayerfully approaching what was on our hearts. And this topic came up, um, but just before we actually launch into it, as we were talking about it, there was this video that I was thinking about. Um, and the video was what sparked a lot of kind of the thinking around this. And I'd love to share that with you guys, everybody who is watching and, and kind of talk about selfishness from this context as we explore the topic. So um, just before we, we do that, we'll get that video up. But again, welcome everyone. Um, and again, just a reminder that you can use the chat to write in questions at any time. We'll answer them towards the tail end of um, the discussion and then we'll be able to split off um, into groups afterwards and, um, and just hang out and chill and, and ask more questions there as well if you want to do that. So without further ado, um, I think we'll just pray real quick. Dave, if you can kick us off in a word of prayer and then we'll launch into that video. Father, we just want to thank you for this time that we're about to have, Lord. We pray that you're in the midst of this conversation, Lord, that you touch hearts, that you speak to people, Lord. Um, you know what's on every single person's heart, Lord, and I pray, Lord, that this relatable topic will be able to, to touch people, Lord, and hit them on a new level, Lord, into something that they um, potentially wouldn't have thought about before, Lord. Just be in the midst, Lord, and have you speak and you shine, Lord, and um, you be in the middle of everything that happens tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, the technical engineers in the background, the one called The Wiz. Can you please get uh, that video going? Thank you. Um, I remember listening to that a while back and I was like, I, I just, the thing it sparked in me was I, I never thought about the, the aspect of kind of a selfie being like a selfish thing to do or being like just the mark of, I, I didn't even think about setting up a profile about anyone other than me. That's just how it works. That's just normal. And so we begin to wonder like what other aspects of life has this way of thinking kind of spilled into. And that's what started the conversation between me and you sort of during the week. So just, you know, before we get into you know, the spiritual aspect of it, where do you kind of see this, do you see this attitude in life? Is this just Francis Chan talking or do we actually identify with that sort of attitude in our day-to-day -day lives? No, I think it's definitely part of our culture today. Like everything is all about me. Can I have the, the latest, for example, iPhone or the latest, whatever it may be. We're always chasing the next, the next thing in our life. It's never to a point where we're satisfied with what we have it's always about what can I gain? What, what do I want and how do I achieve this? It's always striving for the next thing and it's never satisfied with what we have. And I think technology plays a huge part in that as well. Um, but it's definitely, definitely part of our culture today. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's crazy. And, and when you mention technology as well, because there was a time, like it's, it's, it's crazy to think of that there was a time when, Phones didn't have cameras that could point towards you, right? 
but even then, people would turn the phone around and actually attempt to get the shot without, you know, the, the, the front-facing camera. But um, no, I, I think what I see it in kind of just, just in, in society in general and more, more than that in myself is in motivations. Like there are a lot of things that I do that are, that are good or that, I, that are healthy in and of themselves, but the motivation behind them is selfish. So if somebody was looking at me from the outside and I was telling you the story when I was driving back from work where there was this lady who lived on the other side of town. She was an older lady and she, um, she needed um, help mowing her lawn. And I met her, she, um, she was one of the ladies that came to our uni to, to help us out with some stuff struck up a conversation. She's like, hey, would you be so kind as to kind of help me out with, with my lawn? And I was like, old lady helping her with her, like, you know, of course. Um, and, you know, she, she lived a distance away and, and I wake up on Saturday morning, load up this lawn mower that was heavy, go to the petrol station, fill up like a jerry can and, and drive the, the distance to this lady's house. I'd be out of the house by like 8 a.m. in the morning on a Saturday and I had no problem, do it with a spring in my step, like can't wait, do the lawn, did a good job, drive home, feel great, right? Literally, as soon as I get home, I unload the lawnmower and my dad's like, hey, there's this little nature strip that's literally like four meters by two meters, can you, can you mow it? I'm like, nah, dad, like I'm tired, I'm done for the day. I'm... And I just wandered, and that's, that's what I mean by like in motivation. What, what is it that made me so willing to drive the distance, to go and, and exert effort and to do whatever? And there's definitely a part of it that wants to be seen as doing the good thing. I, I want the praise of being the guy who, who helps an old lady with her lawn and who, you know, whatever. So it's like, because there's an aspect of home or like when we're kind of away from people, when our selfishness becomes really evident, and that's kind of what I was thinking like, when you're with people, you can kind of fool them, but it's when you're by yourself and, and you know how you're thinking about this thing that you're like, oh, wow, like, no, I really couldn't care less about how others benefit from this. This is actually just, just about me. So I thought it was, it was interesting. Do you identify with that kind of way of thinking? Look, I think it also says a lot about a person's character. Like, yeah, I, I fall for this as well. Like, for example, at work, um, as you just mentioned, I feel like I can do something so easily, so loving, and I'm so patient with people. But then when I get home, like the people who are closest in my life, I feel like I tend to struggle with the most. Um, it's a real battle on, on an ev everyday sort of scale. Um, but yeah, like I think it, it touches on the character of, of a person because moments like that, I feel like really um, shape you. There's... Yeah. Um, there's a thing that I read, it was like, character is, um, what was it? Character is who you are in the dark when no one's watching. That, that's one of them, but also character is what you do to people who can do nothing for you. Yeah. That was the other thing that I um, heard. And I, really, and I really thought that was, you know, profound. That's got I, I like that, yeah. Well, it's like, speaking of that, and we'll get into the spiritual in a second, but isn't that like the best representation of what the love of God is actually like reaching out to people who are helpless to reach back. Do you know what I mean? Like what can you actually add to Christ? What can you add to his love? You were a helpless sinner that was on the road to destruction. Jesus breaks the ice. He leans in first and he says, no, I've, I've, 
I'm going to disrupt this pattern that you're, you're on and I'm going to call you home. And um, like he did that knowing that you deserve the opposite um, and that you can't actually ever repay him for the gift that he's given you, but he gives it anyway. And so I think that's, that's actually a really good, I've heard something similar before, but I think that's a really, really good definition of what the opposite of kind of selfishness is. And, and just on your earlier point of it's a character thing, just as you were speaking, I started thinking like, is it, and, and relating it back to my experience with the lawn mowing and whatever as well, is it, is it a lack of fulfillment? Is it a lack of identity? Is it me having to put up a certain front so that I can feel good about a certain aspect of myself so I can feel complete or feel okay? Like if I, if I take enough praise from this person, if I take enough pats on the back, I'll be, I'll be all right. So again, it's doing, the, it's doing the right thing. It's doing a good thing, but it's doing it from a, mode, from a place of emptiness, from a place mm -hmm. of I need this to prop me up. I need this so I can actually feel good enough to live with myself type thing. Um, and I think that's it. Like if that is the attitude underlying it, it's a real dangerous place to mm. like to be coming from. Do you get what I'm? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, Matt Chandler, actually your favorite Matt Chandler. Favorite. <laughs> one, one of, one of. Yeah, one um, of. Matt Chandler said said something along the lines of people have sort of two faces or two masks. One is the mask that you put on in front of people, what you want people to see, mm. and another one is the mask that you have when no one else is looking. And a lot, of, a lot of times we can ask ourselves, well, for example, in that story that you just mentioned, how can I then relate what I did for that random lady to mow her lawn to, to do that for my family and for anyone else yeah. without feeling sort of the, the reward side to it. And I, I guess it starts from the mask that is when no one else is looking. Yeah. During that time, how are you developing your relationship with Christ in order to, you know, it, it, develop your, your relationship to look more like Christ when no one else sees when there is no reward? Well, that goes back to that fulfillment piece, right? Because it's like, if I'm getting all those things that, I'm, that, we're, that you just mentioned, that I, I can do this without needing the reward. I can do this without like expecting anything in return, which you, you've just defined really well as what kind of selflessness is. That, but I need to get those things from somewhere. I need to be loved. I need to feel encouraged. I need to feel um, satisfied and full and happy and, and, and joyful in all that kind of stuff and peaceful um, and approved of. Like, I need to know that I'm okay, like that I'm, I'm doing the right thing and that it's good um, and that somebody approves of it. That's just a, that's just a basic human need, right? And if, if I do what you say, now we move into the spiritual side and I actually spend time with God in private, when I act in public, I can actually act out of the full cup that Christ has mm. given me rather than trying to fill it by kind of the way that I act or the things that I'm trying to get or, and we're going to go into the, like the best case scenario. Of I'm, I'm doing good things so that I can kind of get good things back in return. But most of the time, it, like the way that uh, selfishness was defined is that it's like you're, you're occupied with yourself more than anything or anyone else. At the, to the detriment of others. Like you're, you're not considering others at all. It's just about me. And if somebody else gets stepped on in the process, well, that's kind of too bad. They should have been looking out for themselves. Do you know what I mean? So hmm. 
if we come back to that, then it's like, yeah, if, if Christ is the one um, giving me those things that I need, I'm then free to serve the way that I was intended to serve. And then I actually, you know, I, I don't feel weighed down by that anymore. Hmm. You like, you know, uh, some of the areas that I um, wrote down of like, you know, when I wrote out the word motivation and I thought, you know, what from a spiritual perspective, what do you think some of them are, our motivations are for prayer? What, what, what's it supposed to look like and how do we often, you know, do it? Hmm. I think prayer is, I'll tell you what prayer we make it out to be. Um, I think we make prayer a selfish thing where it's a lot more about requests and praying for God to do something for us. And, and sometimes we can take a, a step back and look at it as, I'm going to spend time, for example, reading my Bible and, and praying just so I can show God that I'm doing something in order for him to kind of bless me or give me something in return. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, is, which is wrong. And that's not the, not the purpose of, of prayer. It's a, it's a relationship. It's a conversation. It's a two-way street. Mm. You know, you can't, you can't just be speaking. If you have a friend, a really cl close friend to you, you can't just be speaking and not have anything in return. If, yeah. I, if I have a friendship with you and I'm constantly coming up to you and being like, Shady, I, I need this, I want that, um, provide this for me, um, have a good day, see you later. And that's all that our so-called relationship is built on and it's not even a relationship. Yeah, well, it, again, it shows that the primary focus of that approach is me and how I can benefit from that because I, I want to be a good boy so that God would give me ultimately what I want, not necessarily what he wants. I just, I'll, I'll take your list so that you can like reward my whatever it is that, that I want. And if we say that selfishness is an occupation with self and to the detriment of others, then we do that to the detriment of God as well, because he's another person. So it's like, when I meet with him, like you're saying, I'm not even stopping to listen. Like we forget that, it, like you're saying, it's two-way conversation. That means I speak, God actually speaks back. But so often we don't give the space for that. We don't give the room for that. But when he speaks back, that's when relationship is built. And then that's when you begin to realize the irony of it, that Christ is the thing that you were looking for. Christ is the, like Christ himself is the thing that you were asking for ultimately. Um, and, and that, that takes, that takes a little bit of maturity. That takes a little bit of kind of calming yourself to, to, to realize that. But have you ever had this experience where, um, in prayer, I started to pray. I remember this was, um, this was in year 12. I think I've said the story before to somebody else, but, um, in, in year 11, actually, I had this, this friend, friend in class who was making my life miserable this guy was like he made it his personal mission in life to like pick on me in every opportunity like i'm i'm used to kind of people taking jabs but this guy was like man every word every class every like i'm going to be on you i, I couldn't stand this kid and then i went home at the i think it was like the last day of year 11 and he made sure to make it like a super annoying one and I went home and I started praying and I was like, I was furious. I was like, I was like, Lord, just, you know, shut this kid up. Like I can't, but I just suddenly felt the shift of like, Hey, pray, pray for him. Don't, don't pray at him. Don't pray vengeance over him or that's, that's not, 
That's not how you approach me in prayer. Pray for him. And so I started literally just, just, you know, Lord, you know my feelings, whatever. I'll put them to the side. And then I just started praying for him. Like, Lord, you know. And when I started praying for him, the, the, the crazy thing that started happening was I instantly started to care. Like way more than I thought I would. I'm like, as much as I can't stand this kid right now, what if he goes to hell? What if that's actually where he's going to end up? Like, you know, what about his family? What if they never hear the gospel? Like, you know, what if he just keeps getting, going down this way and just becoming this bitter, twisted man as he kind of grows up into adult? I'm like, Lord, no, like, you know, please soften his heart, like speak to him. So I'm like praying in a totally different vein than I, than I like I, I went on my knees with the intention of like venting rage and it ended up sort of taking a totally different turn and, and the, the magic thing that, that happened was I went back in year 12 and that kid who was the ducks of our school by the way he became my best friend throughout year 12 um, without like knowing we just came back to class on the first day and then we just got along like a house on fire I don't know what changed other than the fact that I prayed once wholeheartedly and then I just left it just walked off and and it was meant but th there was that meme on um on, uh, on what's it called on Facebook, that subtle Christian traits page. It was like, have you ever prayed for one person and then felt so guilty that you kind of started praying for like the whole world? <laughs> I think, do you know, like, do you know that feeling where it's, it, it automatically turns you outwards? Mm. Have you ever experienced something yeah. like that? Yeah, I've, I've had that exact sort of meme that you, get, that you just mentioned. Um, but I tend, I tend to feel like when, when you change the attitude, when you change the behind closed doors, it spills onto the scene. It, it flows outwards. And when you start doing something for one person, it, it's, not, it's not the sense of you know, happiness that you get from it, but you know that you're working along your purpose. Like that's, that's what the intention of um, creation is, you know, to... Yeah to live with others, be with others, be in relationship with Christ and bring people to Christ. Um, it's not about gaining anything. It's not about, you know, wanting more or any of that sort of stuff, but it's simply living for others. Um, so that's, that's the purpose of, of existence. Um, and I do have that when, you know, I feel like I'll start praying for one person and, it, and I feel like uh, I'm praying for everyone, you know, yeah. it, it, just, it just flows outwards. Um, yeah, hundred because I'm like, yeah, Lord, how can I ask for this guy to be saved, but not this guy and this guy and all my other friends, my whole school, Lord, my workplace, my, and then you kind of you get into that, into that mode, and then you in that blessed moment, forget yourself, like mm -hmm. you you your eyes are kind of like what Francis was saying in that in that earlier clip, like your eyes are suddenly off of you and you're looking at a bigger picture, you're looking at something much greater than yourself and you're now become you're contributing to it now you're actually and that's what you call purpose right I'm, I'm actually moving along a track that is building something bigger than me that is contributing worshiping something that is bigger than me because at the end of the day really a lot of what we do is just we talk about idolization and you know in the bible it's really obvious where it's like they set up a statue made of stone and then they bow down to it and we're like yeah that's an idol that's not god you should worship god but in 2020, I am the idol. I mm. bow down to myself and only to myself. I decide when I do this, when I do that, what I, you know, who I interact with, who I don't, what I get, what I don't. And 
I, I really, I, I make myself God and I worship myself in those moments where I, I put myself on the front. Um, and that's really, you know, there's, there's a lot of pride that comes into, you know, holds hands with the selfishness um, as well. And just to, to, to get into sort of a little bit of the, the biblical side, um, you know, you get Paul in Galatians 2.20 saying, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's like, dude, I'm, there was a man named Paul once. Um, he, he did live his life once and he, he made a mess of it. Um, he was a terrorist. <laughs> he, he made an absolute mess of it. That man is, is no longer the one that you're looking at. That man died. He was crucified with Christ. The person who's alive now lives by the grace of God and it's Christ living in him. It's Christ. He's just a vessel for God to do what he wants to do through him. That's like the, the literally the furthest end from selfishness you can, you can have because Paul's saying, I had a self, that self died. Like it's not, I don't even, it's not even that I look at it sometimes and then I look at God sometimes. It's like, there's nothing, there's nothing to see here. It's, it's, it's done. There's nothing good in it. It's gone. Um, and now it's, it's Christ who lives in me. What do you think of that as a challenge, as a, as a calling? I think it's something that happens when you, you know, accept Christ in your life. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, it's your intentions, it's your ideas, it's your uh, career, it's chasing the next thing. But once you get into relationship with Christ, as we were saying, you understand what the true purpose of existence is mm. um, and you start thinking of yourself less you start um, and, I, and, I, and I say thinking of yourself less because we still think of ourselves and we still like to prioritize ourselves even as Christians it's not like when you become a Christian you gain perfection because that's not a thing yeah um, but we we start thinking of ourselves less because we know what the purpose is supposed to be for others to live for others to to reach out, to be in fellowship and relationship um, yeah. with, with one another. I, I think that's, that's great, bro. And it's, you said when you accept Christ, um, your perception on that shifts. And, and I completely agree with you. But I actually think that people misunderstand what accepting Christ is. Because I think people see ex like you know, the, the, old, the old way that people would, would, and it's not the old way, it is the way to pray, but it's like, hey, do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right? We've, we've take, we take out Lord a lot mm. because Lord is this, is this aspect of I'm not the king anymore. I'm not the one sitting on the throne anymore. I submit to someone else. It's no longer my wishes, my direction. It's, it's what Jesus said in the garden. No longer my will but yours be done. So it's like, hey, I accept you as my Lord and my savior, Lord, hey, pull me out of the water that I'm drowning in, but also be my king. Because a lot of people want Jesus to save them from the consequences of their sin, but they don't want him to rule over them, right? And that's, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a big point of danger. Like, I just want God, again, to do something for me. I just want him to save me, but I don't want to submit. I don't want to actually give him my life. I just want to be out of the way of danger. Um, and I think that you can't actually do that without giving him your life there's there's, there's two components mm. to that. would you agree yeah 100 percent. yeah 
Um, switching, switching gears for a second. How do we reconcile, you know, talk, you know, the, the verse that I just read, hey, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Focus this completely off of me. Um, Jesus talks a lot about dying to yourself. Um, Jesus talks about giving up your life so that you can find it. Um, Jesus talks about carrying your cross. Like, that's just because you know that a dude carrying his cross, there's only one place he's going. He's not coming back. He's, he's you know, it, it's, he's not doing it for comfort. He's not doing it for pleasure. He's dying with every step that he goes towards the hill where he's ultimately going to give it all up. It's like the sign of kind of ultimate progressive submission and, and surrender. How do I reconcile that with the idea of um, loving myself and self-care and um, all the words that begin with self? Because this is obviously a sensitive topic because when you tie it to mental health and all this kind of stuff there's, and, and self-esteem and all this kind of words that begin with self, where does that fit into, um, I'm putting you on the spot here, but where does that fit into sort of the biblical framework that we're discussing now about being selfless? Yeah, so there, you mentioned two elements there. One is sort of the self-care thing and, and taking care of your overall health. And that is important because you need to focus on that aspect. I think they're two completely sort of different aspects here. Um, the one about self-care is just maintaining, you know, you're eating right, you're physically healthy, you're mentally, um, whatever works for you, but like say hanging out with friends, um, spending time with family. Um, so you're, you're sort of set or in a good place in different aspects of health in that, in that way, mm. um, which leads to a healthy sort of life from the outside and I guess inside as well. But there's also that other aspect that you mentioned of, um, you know, just purely being selfish and thinking about you. So a good question to ask in, in the midst of every situation that you're involved in is like, you know, just be real with yourself. Is this about me? Am I doing this for myself? What am I gaining from this? Um, are other people involved? What's the outcome? What's the result? What do I want to gain? All these things are very important for you to, to kind of self-assess the situation overall to get a better understanding of your intentions because you're, intentions can be very self-centered and you can just you know rely on getting things for your own selfishness yourself um yeah i guess asking yourself these questions and and, and finding answers to them is important um, because you know when when you have an instagram page or when you have whatever it may be that's all literally as francis chan was saying just selfies of you and um What's the point? Like, there's no point. You're just lovers of yourself. You're idolizing yourself. You're, you're worshiping your self image, who you look like. But like, what, what do you gain from that at the end of the day? There's no sort of purpose in that. It's not aligned. Yeah, getting, this is, this is something that I, I personally have struggled with for a long time, this idea of self-care going just 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 sticking on that point for a second because I, I i always perceived that as selfish just because of the way it was always explained to me i'm like what like i'm going to take days out to not interact with people and not make sure that they're okay and whatever like you know um and 
I realized that God built it into the way that he designed us. And on the seventh day, God rested. And, you know, he com uh, commanded one of the co Ten Commandments is, hey, you shall keep my Sabbath holy. This, this idea that I I'm actually giving you some forced rest. Like I'm, there is, there is a way to rest um, and there is a way to recharge. And that day is actually um, like about reflecting on God. That day is actually about um, sitting in the presence of God because God knows that that's actually what will recharge us. It's, it's not going to be like, don't get me wrong. It's not going to like, I love writing. I love playing soccer. I love playing music. And those things recharge me, right? But ultimately the aim is to actually get that from Christ. Ultimately the aim is to actually have enough headspace to just talk to God and recharge from him so that I can actually enjoy all of those other things as well. Because soccer on its own isn't enough. My new skincare routine on its own isn't enough. I actually need time with God. And that's what that Sabbath was designed to be. So no, God, God built, he knows that we're not supposed to be seven day a week people. We are actually supposed to take intentional time to rest and be with him. That is our rest. So no, so, so yeah, I, I agree with you. No, there's, there's a right way to do that and a wrong way to do that as well, obviously. Um, and I'm, I'm seeing some questions come through, which I'm sure we will enjoy tackling after, uh, you know, soon in, in, in just a couple of minutes. Um, so from, from there, shifting again um, to, um, to just a couple of points, how, how do we use our free time? What do you see as like, hey, this is a selfish version of using free time and, and this, is a, um, this is not a selfish version of using my free time? I think it's actually a really good question for what's happening right now with the coronavirus. Um, and from speaking to different people, there's a lot of Netflix happening. <laughs> there's a lot of um, binging shows and sort of, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not saying, you know, watching TV shows or movies or whatever it is, is wrong, but I, but it can become wrong if you're doing it, you know, just hours on end and it's pointless, like do something a bit more productive with your time. Um, it's not, you're not supposed to sit in your, in your room 24 hours a day, just, you know, whether it's playing PlayStation or doing whatever it may be, there's, there's other more edifying things out there that you should be doing with your life. Um, so yeah, it's, I guess it's, it, you can say it's selfish to be doing things like that. Um, because there's no point and you're not gaining anything from it that is edifying and it's going to grow your you know, personality. You're not really learning anything, um, from it. I, I think, um, yeah, on, on just, yeah, I get that point. I think everything in moderation, sometimes like it's not bad to play a video game. It's not bad to watch a movie. It's not bad to whatever. Obviously, it depends on the video game and movie, but like the, it's, it's the binging aspect. It's the, um, that's, that's unhealthy and we know that it's unhealthy, but not just that. It's, it robs us of time that we could be using to do something else that's potentially better for us and for others. Um, but I, I, just this verse popped into my head, Matthew 10, um, verse, I want to say six, um, says this, Jesus speaking to his disciples and he says, the kingdom of heaven has come near heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. And then this, this line that always gets me, freely you have received, freely give. And 
when I think about free time, I usually link it with gifting. Um, just to, but that's just the way that my mind works. So I'm like, hey, I have I have some some God given gifts. Um, you know, music or writing or you know playing a sport. You know, communicating with people, whatever painting, whatever it is, right? I have some God given gifts, and usually what happens is when I engage in those gifts, when I try to articulate this as best as I can, when I actually do those things, when I practice piano, when I actually start writing, when I start you know, drawing a picture, when I, when I do those things, they lead back to God. Like they, they remind me that I've been given a gift and that that gift actually has a use outside of myself. And I get the most joy out of it when I hone it, when I practice it, when I use that time to actually perfect it. And in order to use it for someone else's benefit, right? Whether it's music or writing, whatever, just use those two as an example, because those are actually things that I, that I, I do. Um, and it goes to actually one of the questions that, that was asked direct, indirectly answering it. Um, a really good way to rest is, you know, those things that you're really, really passionate about that you enjoy and you feel just joy when you do them. Those are the things that can lead your track of thought back to God can actually, you can do them in the presence of God. You can use them to recharge and let them lead you back to their source, to God himself, um, in terms of um, resting, you know, resting in, in that way. So I think in my free time, how can I either build up my gifting to use for others, or how can I use my gifting during my free time to actually reach um, others? But yeah, that, that all, the free time also involves my rest. So I'm not saying like, hey, as soon as I get home, I'm not going to sit on the couch. Like, no, just, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do that for a while. Um, What's the time? Eight eight twenty seven. We're getting we're getting um, close now. Um, I guess I just want to say this last this last point that I just that I just jotted down. Seeking comfort. Do you see that as being? Um, and I, I wrote it off the cuff, but do you see that as being characteristic of selfishness? Seeking comfort from others? Just, or, see, or seeking to be comfortable, maybe, is a better way of putting it. I actually had a similar kind of thing written down, um, and I called it selfishness without solution. And I, what, I, what I meant by that is sometimes we can like to feel sorry for ourselves in, mm. in certain situations, um, and we seek sort of just others um, in order for them to make ourselves feel better. And it's not, it's more an attention thing or it's more just to, to have pity on your situation or whatever. Um, and I think that can be flawed sometimes because you're not looking for answers. You're just looking for people to, you know, here's my situation. Now you know about it. Let me speak. And I think the generation that we currently live in, everyone wants to speak, but no one wants to listen. Yeah, wow. Well, um, yeah. That's, that's very true. And I, I find that with my job. So I, I work in, in human resources that everyone wants to speak, but it's, I feel like a lot of the time it's my job to just listen to what people have to say, because sometimes that is a cure in and of itself. Yeah. Um, but that can also be mistaken for um, selfishness in that just, you know, I'm here to, to seek attention. I want people to know that my situation sucks. Um, you know, I, I'm struggling, but I don't want help. Like, I don't want answers. I just want, 
you know, you to, to hear about this because this is all about me sort of thing. Um, so there's a fine line between, between the two. Um, yeah. yeah, I, I, um, I, I agree with you. I think you, you're looking at, you're looking at comfort from sort of people kind of getting like, Hey, this is my problem. Now you've heard it. I can kind of breathe out and, and at least, you know, somebody else knows. And I think we should, we should be really careful to distinguish that from people who genuinely need help. And I think sure. that takes us back to that first word that we began with, which is motivation. What is my motivation for carrying out this action? What is my motivation for speaking or wanting to vent as I'm getting, as I'm getting the, the question there? No, absolutely not. It's not wrong to vent. It, it's very, um, you know, Jesus says, um, you know, carry each other's burdens and be understanding of each other. Be patient with each other. Pray for each other. You know, when, when uh, you know, two are walking together and one falls down, the other one can pick him up. And so, no, no, we're, we're very much encouraged to, do exactly that. I don't ever want to discourage anybody from, from speaking, but it, it, I really like what you said that sometimes we do speak, not looking for an answer. I just want to, I just want to like, um, not looking for an answer as in, I don't actually want it to make me feel better, but I just want you to look at me. Um, and I think there is, there is a, an unhealthy way to vent and, and there is a really helpful way um, to vent as well. But I actually, when I was thinking about it, I was thinking about it from the point of view of how I live my life, not necessarily what people say to me to like make me comfortable, but as in like me not taking that risk, me not doing that thing because it's going to disrupt my day. It's going to like, I got home, I'm tired, but I know that my friend needs a call and would probably appreciate it from me. That's uncomfortable. I can't be all like, Hey, this is going to be an awkward conversation. Not really keen on it because it's uncomfortable. But I think, and to sort of begin to round this discussion off, if we're trying, the, the ultimate aim is to be like Jesus. The ultimate aim is to live like Jesus. Jesus didn't live for himself. And Jesus had an incredibly uncomfortable life. And so did all of his disciples. Like read Paul's life, man. Guys going from prison beating to shipwreck to you know, being kicked out of a city to stoning to whatever. That's, that's, it's crazy, it's extreme. But it's a dude wholeheartedly following Christ and entirely not like worried about what's going to happen to him. And I think something that's incredible to me is how freeing it is to, to, to really to have that level of relationship with Christ, to be so satisfied with him, to know him so well that you just don't worry. You're just like, it's fine. Like, I, I know that this is, this is my purpose. So I'm going to go towards it. And if it kills me, I die. Like that's, that's basically how Paul thought. He's like, I, I, I am so satisfied in, in who Christ is, not actually in this life, that I am willing to pursue his version of my life all the way to me dying. Uh, and then because when that happens, I'm just going to be with him. Like, and how awesome is that going to be? But that's, that's crazy. We don't think that way. We don't, you know, like Jesus gave himself, he gave himself up to the point of death for people who could give him nothing in return. Like that's, that's what he did. And the thought that occurred to me was like, have you ever seen those thousand piece puzzles or whatever? Like that boxes. Yeah. Obviously on the inside, they're all jumbled and it's, you know, it's all messed up. But on the, on, on the, the actual box, there's the picture of what it's supposed to look like when it's completed. Right. And I feel like just relating it back to what Francis Chan was saying, we're looking at us, not the waterfall. Um, when we try to figure out 
kind of who we are and what our purpose is and what we should be doing and how we should be living. And I want to live for others, but I actually can't. Like, I'm just always kind of bringing it back to myself. I feel like we try to do, we're trying to be like Christ, but we're trying to do the puzzle without looking at the picture. And it's just a giant mess. I don't know where to start. I don't know how to piece it together. I don't know if it's wrong or right by the time I'm done. I have no reference point. But that's why, like, I, I come back to this verse. And an amazing verse, 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says this, And we all, with an unveiled face, with a face that isn't covered, behold the Lord's glory. We look at the Lord's glory. And as we do that, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So it's this idea of like, the more time you spend with God, the more time you take your eyes off yourself and look at him, the more that the Bible is telling me, I automatically begin to become transformed like Christ. I see how he walks. I see how he thinks. I see how he acts. And I'm like, well, that's my pattern. That's my picture. That's the puzzle box. Like, that's how I'm supposed to be putting the pieces together. Do you get what I mean? Do you, do you like, you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Yeah. Have you yeah. found that to be sort of true in your own experience? Yeah. Yeah. I actually, on that particular area, I had something um, written down it's, and I said, people want a relationship to, to gain, not to give. Um, so it's all about, you know, do I love, christ or do i love what christ can do for me mm. like he, he's already done everything for you by dying on the cross for you but essentially you know am i just coming to him in, in in prayer and requests and wants and all that sort of stuff or is he truly you know who he is well it's like you know esther it's it's 8 35 so we'll wrap up but um you know, it's Esther growing up to love her dad purely for his credit card or purely for the house that he provides or purely for, and it's like, is her dad not lovable enough in and of himself on his own? And I think it's, it's crazy when we relate it to actual human beings, when we relate it to people who we know and understand, we're like, what? Like you, you of course you would. Like you, you, you appreciate the things that are given, but you appreciate them because of the person who gave them to you. Um, and you, because they come from that person himself. And, and so, yeah, I think, you know, really the, the crux of it for me, and maybe you can give the, the crux of it for you, but the crux of it for me is that, um, you know, selfishness often comes from me being on the throne um, and not Christ, me being the Lord of my life. And um, for me, the kind of the summary of it is selfishness is short-sighted. Because it's, it's me wanting to get all these things, wanting to get joy, wanting to get a pat on the back, wanting to get satisfaction, wanting to get comfort, wanting to get peace by taking, by being selfish. But the crazy thing is that the way that God set it up is that by actually giving up all of those things, by getting to know him and by serving him and serving others, you actually get to experience all those things because you're connected with the source of all those things. He is your peace. He is your joy. He fills you with his purpose. He, fills, he gives you direction. All these things that you ultimately are looking for by being selfish, but you're going about it the wrong way because he is actually the one who gives them to you. And just the, the last thought that I had is that um, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Um, and it's like, hey, receiving is pretty awesome, especially if it's from God. Like, man, I, I, I got something from God and it changed my life. 
But it's like what will really change your life is when you experience the joy of God himself. Like you can actually experience a fragment of what it is like to be God giving someone something. Like when God gave you something, that joy that he experienced, you get to experience a tiny bit of it when you take what he freely gave you and you begin to minister with it to somebody else, to share the love of God with somebody else, to share the gift that he gave you with somebody else. And in that giving, you find so much more of the fulfillment that you were looking for by actually trying to take and to be inward and to be selfish. So it's, it's a high call. It's a hard call, but um, it's an amazing thing that comes from purely from walking with Christ and discovering more of who he is. But, but what's, what's sort of the crux for you? I think I just had a verse written down that kind of summarizes it nicely for me. Um, Act 20, um, 24. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying the good news of God's grace. Purpose, man. Like, it's, not, it's not about anything that you can do yourself, for yourself. It's not about gaining anything from this world, but it's about ultimately giving back and um, bringing people to Christ. Because one thing that you told me when I was younger, and I'll never forget it, is the only thing that you can take with you to heaven is other people. Um, that's what yep. it's about. Yeah. Praise God. I'm glad. I didn't think you remember. That was awesome. I'm glad that you, you remember that. Um, and it's, it's absolutely true. And I think just, just on that, Dave, it's been, it's been awesome talking to you, man. I think this was, this was a really, um, this was a really cool conversation. It's, it's, it's just a time for us to reflect and just think, Hey, you know, why, how am I living my life? And, and will it actually, will the way that I live last beyond this life by, by the definition that you just gave? Will it actually, will any of the things that I'm doing actually carry over? Um, and if not, then is that the life I kind of, I want to continue um, living? But hey, thank God for the time that we had and, and for the challenge that you've given me. And, um, and, and I think it, it'll, be, it'll be a really cool point of reflection.